Yo, yo, yo. We are back with the All the Smoke podcast. Simone and Meek. Hey. What's up, Simone? I'm struggling. <laughs> I feel like you be struggling, dog, but you get your energy together, so I'm going to need you to do that for me today. I got you. Perfect. We appreciate having you listening with us again. We so enjoy you being a part of what we're trying to do. Before we get started, as per always, we want to give a shout out to the UX for a podcast. Yafi. The brothers are our brother podcast. I'm laughing at her because every single episode <laughs> she does it, I think it's adorable. Um, these brothers are our brother podcast. They record Facebook Live every Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check them out. They are doing their thing. Hilarious podcast with two of our brews. Also, please check for The World Is Yours radio show. I know every single episode I fuck that up. Where I'm like, radio podcast, music podcast, radio. <laughs> the World Is Yours radio show, Facebook Live, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check him out. That's where Andre No Excuses. Um, and yeah, he's doing this thing as well. Got some dope uh, music there and he occasionally will have guest speakers um, coming through so that's really dope as well um, we always having some conversations before uh, we record so nothing is different today at all we are going to get started with a conversation that we had so one of the things that we were discussing is how men and women view levels of attractiveness um so, yeah, men and women do this thing differently with level of attractiveness or at least how we perceive um, someone's uh, our view of someone being attractive. Men and women play that very differently. While everybody could probably agree that, you know, women might have a particular aesthetic that draws them in. I feel like women more times than men will uh, make allowances for other characteristics, right. other qualities that then make that man seem more attractive. Right. Um, I don't think men do that. They don't. I don't <laughs> think, and, and this is crazy to say, while I've been attracted to every man that I've been with, I don't think any of them were super duper handsome. Any of them. Handsome according to whom stand, whose standards? I didn't, has, me! Okay. I didn't even think. All right. Right. initially, like when I first met them initially, right. it was never like this reaction like, oh my God, he's drop dead gorgeous. Sure. No. I don't think that any of the men that I've ever been with, while I have been attracted to them, the attraction was based on something more than just um, aesthetics. Aesthetics. And right. physical right. presentation. Right. And I respect that. And that's what I'm saying. So for me, I know that I, I mean, I've been with men that I've looked at and been like, yo, what's up? Like I'm, I'm like I'm coming over there. Like what's good? And there have also been men that I've been with or dated. You've only been with one man. That's not true. That's not true. And you know we're not you naming names. You've only you know been with not, one man. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You know we're not naming names. But I will say when I said to you, "Who the bull?" I said, "Who the bull?" And you yeah, was like, "That's so and so." And I was like, "I'm about to go get that." At that time. At that time. Aesthetically, I was drawn to him. Well, that person is still the same, to, at least to me, aesthetically. 
Is you still like that? Who the bull? Chill. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. You're doing the most. Ain't that what they say? You're doing the absolute fucking so most. You, so you're not like who the bull. Here we go. I know who the bull is, is what I'm saying. I already know who the bull is. Been here, done that, tapped that, and all that. Like, you know what that fuck I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. All right. All right. Even still, bitch. Two. Okay. I mean, you you try and put it out there like I got this crazy number. All I'm saying <laughs> is, they've there have been men that I've dated. First of all, you know I, I don't thought, number shame, so yeah, please I'm don't not, number shame me. I'm not trying to please put it don't out number there. shame me. I'm not trying um, to put it out there like that. So, and two would be cute as fuck. Two would be cute as fuck. Like I'll be walking around these streets like bored and experiences. Yummy. You know I mean? Maybe even possibly lonely, but two would probably be cute as fuck, though. For most niggas' egos, at least. But my point, my original point was... Honestly, I only think you got one. You're cute. Um, I mean, I do, because <laughs> I already told you. I operate these niggas like credit. You know what I'm You only got at one. At the end of the seven-year mark, you come off that list. Shut up. I don't even acknowledge you anymore. Everything at that point is like, yo, bro. What's up, my guy? You only got two years left on the cutest one. Hey. I got one year. Hey. I got one year. Sorry. And he can come off two. What's up? <laughs> I'm just saying, play your part or not, is all I'm saying. But going back to my original point, I think that women can meet men, can meet a man, and maybe he'd be somebody that you don't even pay attention to. He could walk right past you, never even took a second glance. But it's something about this man, right? The way he... You lying or I'm lying. you lying like shit? I'm lying. What you lying about? Tell me what you lying about before I get into my point. You rolling, roll, you running my roller decks in your motherfucking head or yours? Oh no, no, no! I'm rolling my motherfucking. Oh, I about to say, wait a minute. Now. You only got one. That's to you though. That's not true to me though, because I could think of a couple matters, bitch. <laughs> no, I'm I'm lying. I'm gonna take that back when I said none of them. Okay, I got one of them. I got you one. got one of them. You got one. I got all one. right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. Darkness. Who can't stay out of jail? Hey, brother. Who can't stay out of jail. Hey, fuck your couch, nigga. <laughs> fuck your couch, bitch. Um, nah. I mean, look, we we we, you know, we weak for for the chocolate. I'm in yes. love with the cocoa. Coco. Yes. <laughs> Dead yes. ass. Sorry, if there's any black men out yes. there, guess of the chocolate persuasion. I'm just saying if nobody else tell you, we fucking love you, like from the from the heart of it. If it's a bitch out there who really mad at how far I've gotten with my life and all the things that I've done and she really trying to sabotage me, like legit, mm-hmm. send me a black ass nigga with, with pretty white teeth. They all have pretty white teeth. And them white ass eyes. Yes. Whisper in his ear before you send them to me. Fuck her life up. Yes. Cause I'm a letter. <laughs> you like done. I'm a letter. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there, done that is all I'm gonna say. And I just had like a little tear come down because apparently, you know, I was just, you know, on some reminiscent shit. But anyway, my point is this though. I think that women can look past the aesthetic, right? I think that women can, like I said, see other qualities in a man. I know I can. And those things then become my optics. They then become what I see when I'm looking at this man. So, you know, 
uh, uh, in terms of like the standard of what's considered beautiful, what's considered handsome, what's considered attractive, cool. He might be aight, but these fucking qualities, like his swag even, how he carries himself, how he fucking smells, what he says out his fucking mouth, like all that shit is like, say it again. Yes. Say it again while I, sniz- while I sniffle yes. with you. <laughs> Brothers, please do not underestimate the power of cologne. Oh, God. Please don't. We need it. It's like me and May Pheromones on this bitch. It's like me and May Pheromones. I'm yes. with it. I'm with it. You smell good. You keep yourself together. Your hygiene on point. And I ain't talking about basics. like, Because yeah. that sounds really like sad. We just like, oh, you just got to keep clean. No, like legit. Like you give a fuck yes. all the way around the board. You know what I mean? About yourself. Like you're, you know, you want to learn. And you don't just want to learn, but you try to share this information, this knowledge. Like, yo, that is the absolute sexiest yes. thing ever. You could literally look like anything and do all of the things Legit. you just mentioned. We only talking about shit that you can control. We ain't talking about what, exactly. God, what God did or what God gave you. That ain't got nothing to do with us. It ain't got nothing to do for you. Don't worry about none of that. It's things that you can do and still be winning. But I don't think men do that. I don't think men look at women and be like, look. I wouldn't typically fuck with her. I wouldn't typically smash, but it's something about her. Smashing is something different. Smashing is something different. Well, I'm adding I, all of it together. I'm adding yeah, all of it together. I think, that's, together, I think that's, that's, a smash anything, right. I think right? that's a different thing. Right. I think that's a different thing. I mean, on a regular basis with my judgy ass, I'm walking down the street and I'm seeing a motherfucking Sasquatch pushing a stroller with like three motherfuckers, right? So we get that they smashing. I'm not talking about that. And once again, not judging. Ugly girls need love too. Yes. Ugly niggas need love too. Everybody need love, right? But all I'm my point really is this. Ugly niggas is winning out here in these streets more so than the quote unquote unattractive female. Because I don't think men can be um I think they're more shallow. Period. Point blank period. They, are. they, they are. more fucking shallow um when it in the grand scheme of things than women are. True. I agree. You concur. Indubitably. <laughs> well, why do you think this is, though? Huh. I think a lot of it has to do with the messages we see, we receive from all around, from the media, in newspapers, the things that we see even happening in our own communities. Message. <laughs> so... We are already kind of indoctrinated with what we think um, an attractive person is. And usually we determine what's attractive. And I said this earlier, mm-hmm. based on its proximity to whiteness. We did talk about so, this earlier. You guys weren't privy to that part of our conversation. I said before we usually get started with recording, after we've gotten into a certain bit of meat and potatoes yes. in our own personal conversation, I'm like, you know what? We should probably be recording that. <laughs> um, not fair to the listeners that they don't get that 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 part. So you're absolutely right. You did make that one of that the things comment, that, that kind observation. of brought me to mind. And I don't know if you know about this, but you know, you've heard about the whole fiasco with Tony um, Tory Lanez. Yeah. Right. So yes. you know that that was a, that was scripted. It was like a stunt. I didn't was, realize that at first. Yeah, me either. Me either. This whole idea of what's attractive based on its proximity to whiteness mm-hmm. is kind of what Tory Lanez kind of fed into. Yes. And it had dark-skinned women like, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Myself included. Yes. 
And then when you find out that this was kind of like a stunt, that it was scripted in some way, it kind of takes you aback because this, 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 this line of demarcation that we've made between light-skinned women and dark-skinned women has become so palpable that all we needed was for this one artist to placate us with this yeah, like show this of like solidarity. Yeah, show of solidarity with dark-skinned women. And now all the dark-skinned women the globe over are clamoring about how you know they felt valued in this one instance, even though it was scripted. Right. right? The, the idea that this thing wasn't real um, just kind of like touches on that, that sore spot that is there and probably will always be there because of how we define what's attractive. Sure. And we define what's attractive um, based on these messages that we receive, like I said earlier, from the media, from our communities about what it, what you want to say to the world through your partner. Sure. And every time um, we both men and women do this, every time we get into a relationship, ultimately, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are wanting to communicate a message to the world at large about who we are based on the partners we choose. I can see that. I mean, I'm an honorary golden girl. (laughs) I'll be popping my extra melanin. You know, me hoping that one day, you know, I can actually portray on the outside, how I feel on the inside. So I get that that perspective. Um, I think it's really interesting because, like I said, I didn't realize that it was scripted when I saw it. And I was one of those people championing behind him. Yeah, like, I didn't realize it either. That's what's up. That's right. Move up to the side. Let her know since she's beautiful regardless. But I'm going to need to do this thing. Um, but I kind—I don't know. I'm torn between how I feel even after I found that it was scripted. A part of me is kind of like, almost like fake it till you make it, essentially. Because if the message is still being presented that we need to be more, you know, writing for our brown sisters, then however, he's come to consciousness. You said before, people come to their own levels of consciousness when they come to it. Yes. Yeah, on yeah. different, no different times. Mm-hmm. Right. So if somebody pulls his coat and be like, even if we're going to do this thing, I'm kind of like, yo, hopefully it continues with him and hopefully it planted a seed in his mind about some wrongdoing in his point of view. So here's one of the things that make me think is, is pretty shallow, right? Okay. Um, because you are in an industry that is rife with colorism. Absolutely. You did not need to script this thing. It happens all the time. So to me, it just, it just doesn't lead, it just doesn't lend itself to being authentic and genuine when there are, I'm sure, so many instances where you could have done this real thing. And that would have said more to me because now something real is on the line. When it's scripted, it's nothing on the line. Right? What do you mean there's nothing on the line? So, because I feel like he stands to lose just as much even after people find out it's scripted, if not more, than he would if he did it organically. I think that if it had happened organically... It would have said to dark-skinned girls all over the world, dark-skinned, brown-skinned girls all over the world, that I'm so passionate about this thing that I see that I am willing to risk possible record sales. I'm willing to risk maybe relationships within the industry that kind of encourage and condone this behavior. It would have been something real and tangible 
that he would have been putting on the line for the sake of brown and dark skinned girls. Right? But if it's scripted, everybody knows it's scripted. You but when you have something that's recorded, taped, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He's an artist that we said is out there and it was a, like supposed to be like a video or something like that, or a promotion of a video. Right. It's already being recorded. A part of me is like essentially that it already is being scripted because you're not doing this behind the scenes where nobody would be able to criticize and or applaud your efforts in making this, like I said, this declaration for brown girls. It would be done in front of the camera regardless. So even though if it was done without any, um, any you know, pre-warning, so to speak, even without the plan, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it loses some of it for me anyway, some of the validity at least, because you don't need to do these things in front of the camera. You just need to be doing these things. I don't know. I think that I think that when you are passionate about something, when you make a stand against something um, that affects you and people like you and people that you love, <clears throat> then you do it. If you're going to do a show of it anyway, it needs to be a show that comes with a certain degree of risk. Because if there is no risk, then, 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 you know, what's the point of like broadcasting it? Nothing, nothing, you, you don't stand the potential to lose anything. I think I'm more um, inclined to be supportive um, of something where I know that not only has this person taken a stand, but they've done so um, at the risk of their, you know, own um, financial gain or um, at the Reputation. risk of, of, you know, re- yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. No, I'm not saying I don't. And so both bo- both things can be true. Like I, I get what you're saying. If if the shit's gonna be recorded anyway, we're gonna put this shit out there anyway. People are still gonna see it. People are still gonna be impacted by it. I mean, I, I feel I like that's what. That. But I feel like that's what commercials are, right? Especially companies that make a stand, uh, like a political stand against them. I feel like all of that shit is kind of like the same thing. Like they all it's, it's scripted, right? They made a plan. We're gonna put this thing out. Our intent is to have yeah, but with a commercial, you know it is scripted. You you know it is. I think that this was a little bit different because people did not know that it was scripted, and so, like I said, people are more inclined um, to appreciate the sincerity and authenticity of of a you know. I don't necessarily want to call it a movement because I, I don't think it was a movement, but the show of solidarity. People are more inclined to kind of connect with that. Um. If and I and I don't want to make the association with Kaepernick, right? But kind of along that vein, this dude decided that you know what? I'm not feeling the way we are being treated by law enforcement. I'm going to do this thing, even if it's at the risk of my own financial um, life. Yeah, life. Yeah, my whole life. Yeah, yes. Finances, reputation, all that shit. I'm still gonna do this thing, and I think that people recognize the sincerity. Sure. Um, in that because there was a risk associated with this thing I'm saying I am passionate about. Sure. Yeah, I can't say. I mean, I don't know the boy. I'm not familiar with his music. Um, don't know if I should or shouldn't be familiar with this particular artist, but I don't know if it goes that deep. Like, I'm imagining it probably doesn't for him. Once again, don't know him to be able to speak for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Kaepernick, I feel like he was like when he chose to do what he did. And again, I didn't want to. No, I, I didn't know. Make those I know. And I get it. 
I get it. I do. I think I Kaepernick and his movement are on a completely different oh, absolutely. trajectory. Absolutely. Um, but that absolutely. was the only thing that I could think about to make that, you know, analogy about. No, know, but I was just bringing that risk. back because I was thinking about what I said regarding um, not caring who's watching, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, he did use his platform. He did acknowledge his position. And he was like, OK, I'm going to run with this thing. But, you know, cameras rolling and all that stuff like I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for the media attention. I'm not doing it to gain extra fans or, like you said, care if I lose fans in the process. I'm doing this for me as a representative of a greater good kind of thing. So, yeah, this boy, Tory Lanez, whoever that is, I probably going to have to check him out after we record. Maybe, possibly. And I another thing that kind of like I thought about, it left me with additional questions. Like once I found out that this thing was scripted, it kind of left me with additional questions. So if the video was already in the process and you kind of like, you know, took this time out to do this commercial, quote unquote. Yeah. Then what happened after that? Like after it was done, did you did you swap places again and say, all right, bring the light, bring right. bring the light skin chick back, right? Bring <laughs> the light bright. Yeah. I don't know. Is. I just feel like there are real situations that I'm sure he could have used. Um you know, the same platform, the same influence sure. to do something sure. that really mattered. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, of course, I'm not saying that speaking up for brown skin and dark skin women don't, don't matter because they do. I'm just saying that you use this fake thing to show something where you've got tons of real situations, you know, that where it would have been, where it could have been. been more impactful. Yeah. No, I got you. I'm actually thinking while we're talking about this, um, about, once again, a conversation that we've already <laughs> had or already begun. Because um, I don't want you guys to think that this is scripted. Because yeah, nah. um, that's not the we case at all. We are always talking about shit. Something. Always. Something. So it's always some uh, bag of tri- tricks, essentially, <laughs> to be able to pull from. Um, but something that you have brought to my attention, and I am going to have to rely on you to give a little bit more background. Um, because I'm not in the, in the in the original topic to be able to discuss it, but when we were talking about love as a political statement, because oh. um, we keep talking about this politic thing yeah. and how you know this gentleman could have used his platform differently, and it's, it's making me think of like how that is so political, right? To make these stance and these statements, mm-hmm. um, and 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 how that could be used to advance causes that we have mm-hmm. in our community. So you had brought something to my attention. I just need you to kind of, like I said, speak a little bit about, was it a video or an audio clip? Like what, what was it that you were watching that prompted you to bring it to me when you did? I don't, I don't quite recall. So this kind of came up um, for me in my mind. I've, I've been thinking about this for a long time, actually. Um, I read this book a while ago about, um, a LGBTQIA she um activist, and she had written a book about how she had written a book. And honestly, I can't. This was years ago that I read this book, and I can't even recall what the name of the book is. But there's a portion of the book where she is talking about um the idea that um she is not um she said that she wouldn't necessarily describe herself as lesbian. Um, but she is married to a woman. She is married to a woman. Um, and her marriage, although she loves her partner, um, was an act of political resistance. Largely because, um, 
so much of the disenfranchisement um, of LGBTQIA people and that she stood in solidarity with their plight. She loved her wife. She had been um, with primarily men before, had only been in one um, short-lived same-sex relationship prior to, but she was such an advocate for um, LGBTQIA rights um, that she described her marriage to her partner um, as an act of political resistance, that she did not subscribe to the way um, the government at large, this was this was before the Supreme Court decision that um, legalized same-sex marriage. Gotcha. And her, her resistance to um, the government's kind of like uh, not allowing gay people to marry um, or choosing to define yeah, choosing what marriage, marriage is. is. Right. Um, her marriage, her relationship and subsequent marriage to her wife, she defined as a political act. That she definitely loved her wife, that she was invested in the relationship that they had, um, but that it was not one born out of this, you know, romanticized um, view of love and falling in love. That it was not purely political, um, but that that was how her relationship was. Uh, that's right, how she right, right. Okay. So it kind of made me think about black people and what, what, like I mentioned earlier, what we are trying to say to the world when we couple. Yes. Right. And so it made me think, surely if this woman can define her relationship with her wife, as being an um, being a political act, what does that mean and or look like for Black people who marry or couple? And so that's kind of what I yeah brought <laughs> up to you. Like, hey, what do you think about love or sex being political? Absolutely, I'm like all over the place in my mind right now because it's coming up with like several different um, responses, several di- several different topics. Um, to kind of branch off of just this one small piece of what we're discussing right now, because I think it is so grand, like such on a bigger scale, Um, because it's making me think of our understanding dialogues and then conversations, subsequent conversations about the difference between sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Right. So even talking about this political um, addition to the conversation, we've talked before you know, unfortunately, you guys are going to keep hearing me say that because we are always talking, yes. which is how this podcast was bred. Yes. Um, but about the difference between sex and sexuality and sex essentially being um, like the act of sex. So uh, sexual acts um, being and potentially being very different from how you identify your desire to, like you said, couple. Um, those things are for most people the same, or at least congruent on mm-hmm. the same wavelength. Uh, people are like, okay, like I e I am heterosexual. Therefore the people that I engage with sexually are of the opposite sex, right? Cause that would be essentially the definition of heterosexuality. And I would say, I would argue even that my identification, my label that I'm putting on myself for who I would choose to couple with, i.e. build a relationship with um, on an emotional scale, could be very different than who I choose to engage with sexually. Mm-hmm. 
And people struggle with that like shit, as you, I'm sure, will hear mm-hmm. when we listen to responses from our uh, trailer or teaser, whatever you want to call it, about butt play. Because um, that's kind of essentially right. where we were going and when we were discussing that thing. Um, people struggle with that because there are all these hangups about what you choose to do sexually and what that means for you. And we place values on those things, unfortunately, instead of kind of just letting like grown people make informed decisions about their own bodies um, and being agents of their own persons and um, being autonomous and not being held back by restriction or limitation or anything like that. And we've talked before, like we're talking about consenting adults. You know, we're not talking about people making decisions that we believe like shouldn't be making decisions for themselves. We're talking about people who are of, you know, whatever age, legal age, I'll say, deciding what types of engagements and interactions they choose to be a part of, essentially. Um, So that's the first thing that came to my mind, because this woman, like you said, in the beginning of you telling this story, does not choose to identify herself as lesbian. And I think that it's for a particular purpose Mm -hmm. that she's choosing not to do that thing. Not because she's not in love with or loves her wife. Um, But that she, I don't think she wants to get wrapped up in what that means for their relationship. Um, Because of course, as soon as you start adding labels and titles Mm -hmm. and stuff, then once again, people do whatever they're choosing to do with those things. Um, So it gets convoluted. And it's the other thing it made me think of though, was also this idea of, um, how we do label relationships. And so I met a person, um, so, oh my goodness, it was so long ago, who kind of pulled me, my coattail, to this idea of like loving the person for the person mm-hmm. and not looking to love them for their identified gender, i.e., or, or, mm-hmm. and or biological sex. And when she first, it was a woman, and when she first said it to me, I was kind of like. So that's the whole premise around pansexuals that you love the person not because of their genitalia absolutely because of who they are yes i can rock with that i can rock with that um but i think that people struggle because the show that we're in Mm -hmm. is essentially the first thing that you see um and you make these decisions based off of your it's enough gonna be another thing that we were talking about earlier about your political preference right and what you think about the value right that's ascribed to that show to that Mm -hmm. label to that that thing that you see, the optics, essentially. So you don't, you might not even allow yourself to get to who this person is, right. because when you see them, you've already decided what you would and wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be the first one to say I'm guilty as fuck. I think we all are. I think I think that there is no way to escape that guilt without really, really unpacking all of the shit, all of all of the outside messages that we that we receive about. Um, heteronormative behaviors. Yes. So I think we all are guilty of that shit. Like it takes some serious work to to do the unpacking necessary um, to escape. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That, that kind of thinking. No, absolutely. But even what we've discussed previously about you know preference and like, oh, I like you know tall, dark, and handsome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then what happens when short, light, and but even that. Less than even that, less than attractive, you know, comes comes your way. Like then, what happens? I don't want to take this conversation on a tangent, but you do that. I know I love tangents. (laughs) (laughs) 
one of the Hit things that, with I, the rant. That, I, <laughs> that I recently thought about, and we say this all the time, we are both attracted to dark-skinned men. Yes. But even that is rooted in colorism. Absolutely. Because I decided at one point that... Um, because... What? Your face. What? No, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. No, because I, I think that like one of the things that we... And now I'm about to go on a tangent. One of the things that we're not willing to acknowledge is our choices that we make. People just think that shit just happens to us all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that things aren't just happening to you. Right. You're choosing to do things, whether you're willing, whether whether you're willing to acknowledge that thing or not. And I'm acknowledging and admitting that I chose to love chocolate men. I am definitely one of those people who I could essentially talk myself into anything, right? So because I we grew up in a time where it wasn't hitting. Yeah. To be the chocolate bull. People always yeah. had something to say about the, you know, yeah. the darker skinned guy and all the name calls and all of this. And I'm a little bit, a little tiny bit on the fair skin and you kind of like right in the middle. And I am not in the middle. I am dark skinned. Here we go with the nonsense. Okay. I'll help you work on that and help you unpack that when we're done. Um, you're in the middle essentially. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. No judgment here. No value. I don't care about what you're mouthing to me. Um, but I made a decision then that I'm riding for them. And like I said, not because I didn't see any brothers that I thought that were attractive in my own eyes, but that I made a conscious decision. Like I'm, I'm rocking for this thing. And over time it just took over. Okay. It it, it developed into a life of its own. And I was like, Oh, every time I turn around, it was like chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I was like, I love it. And then essentially, you know, that was all after that African trip. That's okay. Yes, I've been to Africa, you know, a couple countries and whatnot. And I would, you know, bathe in the skin of the men of the Ivory Coast because they are child. We ain't gonna get into that. That's so. That's like uh, all the smoke after dark, yes. child. Like that we is. That. We should, because I'm just I'm sitting here. I'm, I might <laughs> have to refocus and, and and get my whole life together. Trying. What was I saying? Child, look at you. Oh my goodness. I'm flushing. You know, I'm a little light. So, you know, my skin get all pinkish, <laughs> get all red a little bit, like tongue tied and ooh, tied. Anyway. Um, but when we think about what are what are some things you think about when you think about dark skin men? In what respect though? Like what are some things I think about? Because there's some attributes that you think about as it relates to dark skin men. I think about um, all the men that I've seen for the most part have had like this super like red tint in their skin. Mm-hmm. And like most of them have some of the smoothest fucking velvety, velvety just, oh, girl, <laughs> just the skin. And like you said, then the teeth, girl. And then like the whites of the eyes, girl, like. They just, to me, they represent legit, and not to be on no, you know, whole teppy shit, mm-hmm. um, not to hate on y'all, you know, whoever, you know, but, like, I look at them and legit feel that energy, like, this, this, this a king right here, like, this, this, this god right here, mm-hmm. like, manifested in Cuban, like, when they say in the Bible, I am made of his image, essentially, the masculine form of that, this is what I say. Like, I ain't saying they always behave as mm-hmm. such. Right. 
but this is what I see. Like I see the sun, you know what I mean? I see, um, just creation. Like it, it, yo, like it get that deep for me. No, I can feel it. I I definitely feel it. I think that one of the things that we don't often think about is that some other attributes that we, that we assign to dark skinned men is that they are strong, they're protectors. Absolutely. Um, and if if we're saying this about dark skinned men that they're strong and that they're protectors, what in terms does that say about light skinned men? I still like y'all. So I just wanted to kind of like point out that the colorism. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out because I know a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, that we talk about men and how they like fair skin and light eyes and quote unquote good hair. Um, <laughs> And, and we Sorry, wave that colorism flag, um, but but we don't often think about how the reverse, yeah, how it works in reverse when women are attracted to dark skin men. So I just kind of want to point it out. No shade in dark skin men, absolutely love them. Sorry, yeah. I mean no shade in light skin men, right? Yeah, like and you know once again, no disrespect. I love black men as a whole. I just love y'all, period. But like on some like jokey joke kind of jokey joke, like. Y'all like break y'all had y'all time. <laughs> I mean, like y'all had y'all time a little bit. Like, can we, you know, can we give some time to, you know, yes. this chocolate over here though? Can we give some time to that? And I know Kofi Sirabo is not watching or listening. Oh, girl. But we might have to rock papers. <laughs> we can share. I might lose, but I you share. Remember, you remember what you said about if a chick won't blow your whole spot up? If a chick Man, cat, dog, <laughs> a baby, anyone want to fuck my life. You know what, bitch? I got a karma for you. Yes. Okay? Yes. Send That's him yes. over. Yes. And see me at the whole I be like, thank y'all for coming out. Bitch, God I bless you. Good night. Is y'all done? It is my <laughs> turn, ho. Are y'all done? Yes. Are y'all done? It's my turn. And I would be like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works, dumb girl. <laughs> but let me circle back really to um, sex and or love as a political statement. Yes. I want to say straight off that I think that black love itself is inherently political. Absolutely. I can see that. Inherently. Um, I think that there have been so many um, systems and institutions um, conspiring collectively to keep black men and black women separate from each other. Yes. And I think the idea that you couple with a person who you see yourself in is political. Yes. Um, Inherently. And so while they might sound like the same topic for me, sex as a political statement and love as a political statement, while they may both fall under this umbrella of politics. Yes. Um, like you said, the optics of it. Yeah. Who you get to see me, me interact right. in the world with versus right. who we doing this thing. Right. Once right. the door closed. I mean, unless somebody won't watch, right? Because I'm, I'm <laughs> cool with that too. Okay. Um, you know, but for the whole entire world, who someone sees yeah. me, um, represented by um or who I'm choosing to represent in the world is very much yeah and so I think that even though 
I have been jaded by past relationships. Ultimately, like the heart of me um, absolutely loves black men and think that um, our advancement as a collective is intertwined with each other. Yes. So you said the heart of you and immediately I got the image of the Grinch. <laughs> like the heart of me. Girl, the size of the hips. <laughs> and this time, I'll keep it off. <laughs> Just an FYI, that's one of our favorite, favorite movies, movies. <laughs> which is why I referenced it. But I definitely did see the imagery there. Just like, the heart of me. I'm like, you mean that cold little black thing right here? Is that what that is? Yes. I was about to flip that off your shirt. And so I always big it up. However, however, you know, whatever shit I got to work through in my own life to kind of like work through past relationships is my shit. Um, so whenever I do see two black people genuinely loving and caring about each other, I'm always going to salute that shit because they don't want it to happen. Right. And I am not even saying, I think that I, I want to make this clear. I want to go a step further and make this clear that I don't differentiate between whether um, that couple is a heterosexual couple or not. I think if two black people, regardless of gender, make a decision to love and commit themselves to each other um, to move through this world together, I'm definitely always going to support that. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about black love, we leave out of the conversation our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters. And that, to me, um, is a disservice Fact. to the conversation at large about black love and what it is and what it means. I can respect that. Um, and so I wanted to make that clear. I'm saluting any couple of any gender configuration um, who make an active commitment to um, love, support, and encourage each other as they move through this world, which is um, historically uh, unforgiving to Black bodies. So yay, Black love. Yay, Black love. Mm. Black love is sexy as fuck, though. <laughs> but I'm sitting there thinking about what you're saying and I'm thinking to myself, you said no matter the configuration. Exactly. Right? No matter the so, configuration. It, you know, brings up for where me. Where two or three are gathered together. Yeah, in, my in my name. <laughs> where two or three or six or three. Yes, are gathered in my name. Obviously, I want to know what your views are about polyamory. Since that seems to be like, I don't know, for some reason it's like the pow, 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 pow. Like the topic that's been coming up so much and for the last who knows how many years, you know, the, um, you know, idea around polygamy, polygyny and all these other poly words, um, which just to put it out there, just to say this thing, because I don't want the poly in community jumping down my throats, I acknowledge that polygamy is not necessarily polyamory. That polyamory in its basic, basic terms means many loves um, and that people are operating under the auspices of open, honest, transparent communication um, with whomever is involved in this, these relationships. So I'll say it again. I believe in black love, no matter what that configuration is, um, as long as all parties are willing and consenting. So that includes polyamory too. Um, I can definitely see 
the benefits of it, especially if we are looking at it through the lens of love being a political statement. I could see why um, people would choose that kind of relationship style. Um, but I, I don't have, um, I, I don't think I have any, um, judgments positive or, or negative uh, about it. And that's primarily because I kind of experience it through you. Damn, bitch, just put me all the way. How you, what? You, you already put yourself. I did not. You did. I did not. I did not. I did not. But since you want oh, to throw I'm sorry. me in. You want to throw yourself in. To the boil. <laughs> okay. This fucking burning pot, bitch. Then I, I, all right, I'll say this, right? And I think in a lot of ways, I have been trying to keep at bay this conversation as it directly relates to me. For various reasons. But I'll go and say this. I have personal experience with polyamory. Um, I am by no way, shape, or form the expert on polyam relationships. All right. I am sort of kind of like a little expert in polyam <laughs> relationships. Only because, not because of my personal experience with it, right? But because I do what I consider the due diligence in learning and researching and trying to talk to people um, who do subscribe to that particular, I'll call it a love style, um, because I do want to know if I'm going to be aligning myself with a particular thing. I, for the most part, kind of hate labels, even though we talk about labels and titles and shit like that often. <laughs> but for the sake of this argument, I will say I, I identify with the polyam um, premise and or love style, like I said. So for, I guess, six years um, now, I have participated in polyam in one type of structure or another. I will also say, though, that I have been a fucking serial monogamist exactly. for real. Um, so I have experienced, you know, I've, I've, I have experienced both um, forms of you know, relationship structures, dynamics, whatever you want to call them. Um, I essentially started out in what I would consider a triad relationship. Um, and for those who don't know what that is, but, you know, can kind of use an imagination or of sorts, it essentially is three people engaging in a relationship. Um, and let me just be clear, and please, by all means, I don't intend in... Um, our podcast to be like the dictionary of sorts, but you know, do your own research if you care to do so. But I'll just explain it like this. A triad, like I said, is three people engaging in a relationship. Um, it was myself, my male partner and his partner, female. And although she and I weren't sexually connected, we were very much emotionally connected, emotionally involved. Um, like a friendship, essentially, um, a very close friendship. And while that didn't particularly work out that way, I still do have that male partner um, and have since 
um, moved into a different structure, which is more of like a V. Once again, use your imagination, um, not your freaky imagination, just like being able to <laughs> deduce yes. what you think that might be. Um, just look at me. I'm in the middle. Right. And I have two partners who are not in a relationship. So I have two male partners now who are not in a relationship. Um, I do want to go back, though, to the point I was making before about polygamy and polygyny, because most people I talk to, when I say anything about polyam, anything, they automatically see that structure where it's a man and multiple women um, who don't uh, have the option, I'll say, to date outside of that or in, engage in relationships outside of that structure. Um, and I think that's the reason kind of why polyam people get so up in arms about involving polygamy into the polyam family. Um, because like I said, polyam is supposed to be about many loves and essentially the, the ability to make decisions for yourself as to what you're going to do. So I get that, but what if the decision I am making for myself is to enter into this closed relationship where there is only one male partner and multiple female partners? Right. So once again, I don't want the, the, the polyam uh, lynch mob coming for me, right? Because I kind of see it that way too. There are closed dynamics where we agree as a unit to say, this is it. It's not going to be anybody outside of us. But that's typically... Um, a decision that all parties you know make and agree to adhere to um and so i think that like with polygamy it's kind of implied that that's the situation that that's what it's going to be with people's perception of this very little decision making ability on these other people right these other spouses quote unquote right because polygamy is kind of rooted in this idea of marriage legal or otherwise, and we already know it's too many states in the U.S. Um, that don't acknowledge polygamy as a legal form of marriage, um, but that the way these people describe their union would usually be aligned with marriage. The other thing is with polygamy, it's most times rooted in religion. Mm -hmm. So and that's another thing that differs from polyamory, where it could have, you know, people in that union could decide to align themselves with religious principles or not. So it's not like inherent to have religion be like the center or focus of this, this like combined relationship outside. Um, I think that it is awesome and amazing when it works with these people, but like any other relationship structure, it has its challenges. You know, even in mono relationships, the shit could be great when it works well between those two people and it could suck ass when it, when it's wrong, like when it's wrong, it's wrong. When it's right, it's right, right. essentially. is how I view it. Um, but I'm more like a free love, free spirit. That's very cliche-ish. I saying that all the time. We was born in the wrong era. We were. We were kind of born in the wrong era, but then kind of not, right? Because I think when we say that jokingly, we're really talking about like the free love era. Yeah. And kind of like doing whatever with whomever. Yeah. And I think that our time now, we're seeing a little bit more structure being um, added to the mix. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. I think that what's happening is that women are starting to recognize their and take ownership of agency, yes. right? Like we are 
getting to a time where there are now words to describe um, how people move in and out of relationships. And I don't think that we had that vocabulary um, when we were, quote unquote, growing up. I don't think that there was. um, I know for me as a young teenager, one of the most like horrible insults that I could have heard then like as a young teenager, just like discovering um, myself and kind of like sexuality and attraction was being called, like one of my biggest fears was being called a whore or a hoe. Right. Um, I don't think that, I don't think that people, women, even girl, women and girls now are not as um, concerned. Yeah. As concerned about, you know, if somebody is going to call me a hoe. Right. You know what I mean? Because I recognize that this is my body. I get to do with it what I want. Um, And there's always kind of a double standard that has existed. I think women are recognizing that this double standard exists and are basically saying, fuck it. You are going to judge me no matter what I do. I'm going to receive some kind of judgment or backlash no matter what I do. If that's the case anyway, I might as well enjoy myself, take ownership of my body and what I choose to do with it. Um, so, you know, our, our views are changing about how we feel about, um, sexuality, about monogamy, about, um, people having multiple partners. I think women are really kind of, I don't want to say changing, but I will say a lot of the things that we see, um, and attitudes that young people or younger people have. Um, about these topics is kind of a response to us in a sense being fed up of how we women have been um, historically talked about as it relates to sex and sexuality. Yes. Um, So it kind of makes me think what there, there's always like, you know, new wave thought or like um, certain like progressive movements that happen that change people's outlooks and attitudes about a thing. Yes. And I think that that's, that's just what we're seeing now. Um, people are more aware about sex positivity, about body positivity. Um, and because of this awareness, we are really, like I said earlier, kind of like taking ownership of, of our bodies and what we do with them sure. and becoming less concerned about what other people think about the choices we make um, with our body. Yeah, less concerned with the quote-unquote stigma attached yeah. to our behavior yeah. or decisions that yeah. we're making about our bodies. I mean, you already know how I feel because, I mean, one of the shirts that I've created and wear regularly essentially says, my poem, my rules. Yeah. Right? I get to choose for me what I do with my body, um, what I do with my person, period, and use the word agency, and I've used the word agency. Being autonomous in decision-making that has to do with me and not being worried or hyper-focused on what other people are going to think exactly. about the choices you make with your body. Exactly. Y'all not here. Yeah. Where about yourself? Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to say that. Where about yourself? Right? Because like I said before, I'm all about um, consenting adults making decisions for themselves. And I will also say this, and you and I say this to each other all the time and to other people, you never know what somebody might be into, go for, or decide for themselves 
unless and until they're presented with all the information, information so they can make informed decisions, period. Right. One of the things that bothers me, though, about this love style, at least from my experience, is the um, idea that as soon as someone hears me say, oh, well, you know, I'm seeing these two guys. They're like, oh, so you, you fucking fucking. <laughs> right. Like you this is what you want to do. This is what you like to do. You're just calling it something. And I do get offended by that because even if that's what I wanted to do, I'm going to run it back. Worry about yourself. But I wouldn't need to call it anything yeah. if that's what I wanted to do. Like, I actually care for these people. Like, I'm engaging in essentially two uh, relationships that look very much like monogamous relationships from the outside yeah. looking in. Um, you know, we do the things that you would do to, um, you know, build an actual partnership, an actual connection. I have emotional connections with these people. Um, so I get a little bit like offended and then I realize ignorance is bliss a little bit. Um, and then I start to feel a way like you're trying to fetishize me yeah. and I don't like that. Um, so a lot of things come up for me that way, which does kind of then, because I'm, I'm guilty of what we're talking about, like then it kind of makes me essentially be less open with this as a topic and aligning this label and this title into like my person, you know, my person um, into the world. And then, you know, I sit back and say like, why though? Like for why? You know what I mean? <laughs> Do I feel like it's important to make other people more comfortable by ultimately denying uh, this part of myself or um, repressing this part of who I am and what I do? Like if they don't like it, cool right that's not for them it's not for everyone it's the one thing i'll say is this this love style is not for everyone um i wouldn't even encourage certain people to even think that they would try to participate in something like this because it is work unlike um any other relationship i've ever been in trying to maintain multiple connections with people simultaneously has been one of the most difficult yet most rewarding things relationally i've ever experienced so it's definitely not for everyone else, but or for everyone, period, not for everyone else. But I think that you don't know what is for you unless you're provided with a certain amount of information right, to right. decide for you. Um, the other thing that kind of like grinds my gears for real is when people say stuff like, oh, well, you better than me because I wouldn't be able to do it. I would be, you know, jealous because I'll say that my partners are also free to make decisions about themselves. They had that same agency, that same autonomy for themselves. And so um, they do engage in relationships with other people, whatever types of relationships they choose to engage in with other people. The only thing that we have as um, a unified, uh, I don't want to call it a rule, but understanding and agreement between us is that everybody is aware of what's going on so that everybody can yeah. continue to make informed decisions. Otherwise, it would be essentially no different right. than being in a relationship where, you know, somebody is like, you know, betraying your quote unquote trust. Right. I'm all about agreements. I think agreements can be negotiated and renegotiated. Um, nobody has to stick into anything that they not with. Like, I'm so big on that. Um, so we make these decisions every day to continue to do whatever it is that we're doing. Right. And I think that's the part that people don't understand. Um, and they say stuff like, oh, I would be too jealous. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I feel you, but 
that's implied like I don't get jealous. Like I right. never get jealous or none of my partner, you know, neither of my partners ever get jealous. And that's not realistic, right? Jealousy is a natural human, human emotion. emotion. People experience jealousy, right? It's what you choose to do with those, emo- any emotion. People get angry, right? Nobody's like, oh, you can't get angry. But what they do say is, you can't knock this whole shit over. Yeah. Right? I'm knocking all this shit yeah. over, right? That's not an appropriate response for this feeling. The same thing with, with jealousy. Yeah. If I get jealous of something, then it's up to me to check that and manage that emotion. It sounds kind of crazy because I, I say this to my seven-year-old all the time. Like, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to, you know, be sad. But you're not allowed to be shitty to other people just because you are experiencing this emotion. Absolutely. But it made me kind of think about earlier in the week on the group podcast, somebody had made a comment about jealousy and if it's something normal um, to exhibit in a relationship. And a lot of the people on the group. And this is a US for a podcast group, by the way. So a lot of people in their group were like, jealousy is not normal. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I was like, damn. It's I'm not, not normal. I need to go sit on my couch <laughs> and talk to myself about this thing because who knew that emotions that are that exist, right, people right. weren't supposed to feel these things. I think it's more about, but see, here's, and I think that there was a confusion because there's no way you can you can you can convince me that the people who said it wasn't normal actually believe right. it's not normal. Right. I, I think mean, what they were saying though, no, 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 because they were out. A person outright said they jealousy did. is not normal. They did. But I think what they are saying is how we allow jealousy to manifest in our behaviors, right? Like, so if I'm jealous of somebody for some reason and I, you know, act unreasonably because of that jealousy, then one could argue, well, bitch, that's not normal, right? Right. I don't think you 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 just can't convince me that they were saying the emotion itself is not normal. Right. And I agree with you. I, I think I, how people respond to the emotion is what matters most. Not that not that you have this emotion. Right. But how 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 you respond to it. Exactly. How you address it, how you respond to it. I think that I think that that's the thing that maybe they were trying to convey. Convey. That was inf- yeah, definitely. That had to be the point because I was sitting there like, hey, you going your therapy bag? <laughs> and I really do try to keep that at bay sometimes because I can go on a whole tangent and come from this clinical perspective. And not that there's no room for that at all, but I think it's supposed to be more of a lighthearted yeah. exchange. And for me, sometimes the discourse is like, I need to kind of throw this thing out here just in case you didn't think about this perspective, right? Because I agree with you. Any emotion that we have, right? Is bred from somewhere and it's legitimate in its own right. I mean, you got people telling people all the time, your feelings are valid. But then if I'm telling you, except for that one, then I'm discounting my, you know, my statement that they're valid. Um, I do think you can act a whole hot mess and be on some fuck shit off an emotion. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time because they struggle with managing those things that are difficult for them. And I think that jealousy is one of those things that we have a hard time um, wrapping our heads around because I think that we are taught that you're you're super insecure like what is it about this thing that's making you feel jealous and it's like yo that part to me is self-work that's self-work you could do that on your own um, we don't need to pick that part 
pick that apart per se, but having the experience of this emotion is in and of itself acceptable and appropriate. Because I feel like anytime you start taking emotions off of this like uh, uh, like emotional pie chart, I'll call it, then you start to come up with some real sociopathic shit. You know what I mean? For people that can't feel like then they can't express certain emotions in a healthy and positive way. So that has always been like a pet peeve of mine. Like the two things about the jealousy part, um, which to me also has um, some airs of ownership vibes for me. When people talk to me, and I'm not talking about jealousy in and of itself. I'm talking about when people come to me and say, oh, no, there's no way I would be able to do what you're doing because I would be jealous. In my mind, I automatically hear them saying, because my partner is my partner. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. I take possession of this person, this human being that is mine. Right. And anybody else that comes along, comes around and involves or engages themselves in with my partner, I take issue with. And I've said it to you and we've said it plenty of times. And I think it's even come up in in either group, the All the Smoke podcast group or um, the Yafi podcast group is that you don't own people, right? You don't share them, you experience them. You have the opportunity to engage with people. That's all you have. You're not owed anything more than that um, or anything. And so I think even that concept that I strongly believe in, not owning people, not wanting to take possession of them, um, not feeling like I'm sharing anything, is kind of what makes it easier for me to engage in this particular, um, like I said, love style, because I don't want anybody to feel like they own me. Right. So if I feel that way about me and my person, then it's only right for me to then feel that way about these people I care about. And just for the record, I will make this point as well. I think it's awfully strange that romantic partnerships, that romantic love is the only relationship structure that exists where we do this thing where it could only be one it could only be one person. That's not true. Let me let me let me go here and then you tell me if what I'm saying is not true. We are born of two parents. If you have a mom that you have a particular relationship with and you say, I love my mom, no one ever says to you, You can't love your dad. Like you said, you didn't you didn't declare this love for your mom. That's it. Parental love, case closed, is for your mother. Right? Nobody ever says anything to you when you say, I love my dad. Right. We can have multiple siblings and have love for them. We can have multiple children and have love for them. Nobody ever puts a, a cap on, you know, all right, now they're firstborn. Cool. That's it. Right. You rocking out from here. Any other kid that comes after this, fuck them because you got love for this kid, like your oldest kid. You know, what I mean, this one kid that or maybe not the oldest. I don't know. In my case, I, but, you know, you might um, you would never hear that. From people and even with friends, right? Yeah. It is absolutely See, I the truth gonna with, go there with that bullshit. Okay, here you go with the dumb. You can shit. only have one goddamn best friend. Only one. Yes, but I'm I saying. can love my friends and it not be a problem. It's not like, oh, well, you only love Simone. No, you are only supposed to love me. You can like everybody else. We'll talk about this all. Okay. We'll talk about this when we aren't recording. I apologize, guys. Apparently, we're having some technical difficulties. 
in the fucking studio right I'm now. I'm just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. <laughs> and I love you for it. I love you for it. But I just yeah. think so. I think that's it's weird and it's ironic. No, I agree. I agree. And um, you know, when I say that to people, when I've said that to people, they don't really have a good, you know, comeback for me. Um, and I'm like, you drink the Kool Aid, and you buy into this idea because we've all drank the Kool Aid. We've all drank the Kool Aid at one point, but we're drinking wine now. So step your oh, look, yeah. step your pussy up. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> right? Step your game up. Step, you, step that game up. You know what I mean? I'm being, I'm joking. Like I said, I don't want it to like probably him to be like, like I said, strictly equated to sex. But like I said, nobody has any good rebuttals for me. I mean, if somebody that's listening has a rebuttal for what I'm saying, by all means, I'd be more than happy to engage in that discussion. Tell me something I don't know. What, what am I missing? Because the people that are staunch, staunchly against, you know, what I'm saying, and once again, you don't have to uh, uh, participate in something to see it for what it is and have a certain level of acceptance. Yeah, but I think that people have a certain level of discomfort challenging these things that we've been... The status quo. Yeah, status quo. Things we've been um, dare I say indoctrinated. Um, no, it's a good word. But, you know, unless you've grown up in a polyam home and have only been connected or exposed to polyam people, then there is going to be um, a there's going to be a large por- a large portion of your um, you know relationship politics that's rooted in and connected to monogamy. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think it's about this idea of good rebuttals. I just think that people aren't willing to relinquish you know these long held beliefs we have about. Um, monogamy and relationships being between you know one 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 person to one person right um, people aren't readily thinking about um, group dynamics as sure. it relates to intimate relationships sure. intimate or emotional relationships but that's actually making me think to just to like tie it back and then I won't beat this particular dead horse I'm sure it'll be another horse for me to pummel but I won't go back to this. But what I will say is, um, just to be clear, that polygamy, though, is just multiple spouses, right? We, we oftentimes use it and then immediately envision, like I said, a man mm-hmm. and multiple wives. Really, it just means multiple spouses. There are other words that are specifically used to describe an actual man and multiple wives, which is polyandry, and then a woman and multiple husbands, um, which is polygyny. And... Polygyny will be the only thing you ever hear me talk about, especially when we're talking about love, black love specifically, as it relates to this political um, drive, a political statement being made Mm -hmm. around this idea of love um, and relationships. Polygyny in our community, I think potentially has some damaging repercussions right mm-hmm. and once again these people will come for me and it's cool they can get the smoke it's nothing I, I, it is what it is I just have to say this having a black woman engage in a quote-unquote marital relationship dynamic with multiple black men meaning that these black men are now considered quote-unquote off the market means that there are less men available 
right? Less heterosexual men, because like I said, polygyny is supposed to be, it's a heterosexual dynamic from mm-hmm. what I'm discussing. I'm not saying it can't be a woman. And, like, I'm talking about from a heterosexual dynamic. Because um, actually I am saying it can't be any other dynamic because then that would just be a polygamous mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, but a polygynous dynamic, a woman with multiple husbands, like I said, means that these men are now quote unquote off the market and there are a, 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 a disproportionate 26 to one yes ratio between men and women in our community we can't really afford for sis to be hogging up all the men right which is why i'm saying that the men that i am engaged you know with have you know choice have option to engage in relationships with other people um for that reason right i ain't having no more babies so to advance our um, culture, our people, right? Our position as it states in, you know, this world out there to say, um, we need to be able to have dynamics and relationships that can reproduce. If I have this closed system where it's us and I'm like, nah, I ain't doing it. And it's only just me as the woman who would be able to bear children. That kind of shuts that shit down. And this is like, of course, implying that none of them have children, right? It would kind of essentially shut us down. And I think that from a political standpoint, that has the potential to be damaging because it made me think when we were talking about the political side of love and the political side of like relational, um, a relational, from a relational perspective, excuse me. Um, So I just realized one quick thing and I don't know how I let this happen while we're talking um I totally fucked up and confused the definitions of uh polygyny and polyandry and if I'm going to do a service by giving information I need it to be the most accurate information so please forgive me and I want to state now that polygyny is actually um a marital configuration where it's a man that has more than one wife which is most associated with polygamy. So when you think of polygamy or you hear people talk about polygamy, they're also talking about polygyny. Um, So I fucked that up. And then polyandry would be the opposite of that, a wife who has multiple husbands. So like like I said, I don't want to give false information. I don't know how I did that, but I'm sitting here listening or replaying in my own mind while we're talking um, what the hell I just said, and it would be wrong. So yeah. So, I mean, if anybody, like I said, has anything to add um, to this dialogue, I'd be more than willing, open to hearing what you have to say, whether you have experience in this particular love style or not, um, because I'm always open to learn. I feel like we are always open to learning new perspectives, um, gaining additional information, um, or just being able to have healthy you know, dialogues about important topics that essentially, um, you know, our people are engaged in. Um, Things come up all the time that are new and interesting. And like I said before, even if it's not for you, that's super fair to me. Um, I, like I said, I've seen it from different perspectives, different sides, uh, monogamous relationships, these polyam. Um, dynamics that I've engaged in. So yeah, 
Like, let's let's talk about that. Like, let's get some, you know, understanding. Let's, you know, create a situation where we can learn from each other. Like, I think that'd be great. That I think that'd be a beautiful thing to also use this platform to do just that. Um, so I don't really have much more that I want to say about that right now because I do feel like I could kind of go on a tangent about it. And, you know, we have other shows we can do that. Uh, in which we could do that. And I'm sure this won't be the last time that this topic comes up. Um, like I said, I'm talking to people all the time who, you know, either have uh, opinions about it, critiques about it, questions about it. And I'm, I'm essentially an open book. So I'd be willing to engage in those conversations um, with whomever. And, you know, I don't know about you, Simone, but I think that we could probably you know, wrap this up here. Yeah. Um, so as always, we appreciate you listening, taking your time out. Be sure to uh, interact with us on the All The Smoke podcast page, the All The Smoke podcast group page. Please join that if you haven't done so already. Go back and listen to previous episodes. Um, and we will see you on the other side. All right. Peace.